good to see you. My name is Andrea Isaacs, and my husband Jason and I are the pastors of Hope City Church right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And if you are here with us in the auditorium, I just want to say thank you for letting us be a part of your Mother's Day weekend. We um, take that with great honor. We're so thankful that you're here. And if you are joining us online, I want to give a big shout out to everybody who is uh, checking it out. Maybe you're hanging out uh, in your living room or uh, catching us on your car. Uh, my sweet parents from Atlanta, Georgia, were messaging this morning. They were with us uh, at the 930 service. And so it's just neat uh, that we get to be connected in all of these different ways. Maybe you're even checking in on this message uh, through the podcast later on. Um, however you are hearing this message, you're with us. We consider you family and we Love that. Happy Mother's Day. Come on. Happy Mother's Day. I have four kiddos of my own. Yes, yes, I do. It is, it is as much as you think it is. It is. It is. It is a lot. Um, I have two daughters, Sadie and Nora. Sadie is 13, well, almost 13, and Nora is nine. Uh, and then we have two boys that are the younger. And uh, God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave us the boys last because my, oh my. Um, but they are six and five years old, and um, they, they teach me a lot every single day. So all of you mothers and women and ladies who are bringing beauty to the world and nurturing people and caring for people, I just want to say thanks, and, and I'm in the, the trenches with you. It's a, a, it's a blessing, and it's a challenge. Amen? Yeah. But thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks, moms, for all the diapers you changed and all of the sacrifices that you made, all of the car trips that you, you know, drove us around for, and all of the wisdom you imparted. Man, and I'm even going to say this one. Thanks for the discipline. Thanks for all the discipline. Thanks for showing us the way. Um, thanks for doing it to the best of your ability, Right? Thank you so, so much. Uh, I love that. I love uh, being a lady and, and celebrating all of the wonderful women. We kind of say around here, Hope City, yes, it is Mother's Day, but it's really like Women's Celebration Weekend, right? Just anybody in your life who um, cares for you, who, you know, um, spiritual moms, surrogate moms, foster moms, grandmamas, aunties, all of you. We just love you very, very much, and we're so glad um, that you are here. Make sure you get a picture. That's really what your mom wants for Mother's Day. Get that picture out there in the lobby. She wants to know that she got everybody dressed into the same place on the same day. It's a miracle, y'all. It's a miracle. But I want to spend our time together today. I want to share something um, that I have been wrestling with personally. Me, Andrea Isaacs, in my life, personally. But I think it's something that you guys are wrestling with too. Because through our growth groups and text messages and emails and just um, connecting with you in conversations, I hear this coming up quite often right now, especially if you were a part of our Galatians series. We did nine weeks on the book of Galatians, and I believe that it absolutely transformed so many of us. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, let me encourage you. Go find it on the podcast. Look at it on YouTube. Um, check it out on our church app. But for so many of us, that was such a powerful reminder that faith in Jesus is not about behavior modification. It's not about us trying to have it all together. It's about believing that Jesus did have it all together, amen, and that he is who saves me, that belief in Jesus is what saves me. But here is the tension. I think that so many of us come to church and we bring our hearts, but we left our minds at home. And so when we show up on Monday 
and we're back in the grind, the routine of changing the diapers and the laundry and all of the things that we just said we're so thankful for from our moms and just the, the pace that we live in, you know, the demands of our jobs and, and the pressure of finances and whatever the case may be. Why is it, why is it that if I'm, I, I, my mind, my mind continues to be pulled back to all of that to-do list, to all of that pressure, to all of that expectation. If belief in Jesus is what transforms me and gives my soul wings, why? Why do I so quickly slip back into a performance-based, behavior-driven works righteousness? Why? Why? So my hope for us today is that I can kind of connect our hearts with our minds, that there can be a way that we could implement a practice that will kind of pull us back. Every time that I start to lean towards trying to win the approval of others, by trying to think that it's all on my shoulders to have it all together, by, by trying to, you know, whenever I feel that lean to perform, what is it that's going to pull me back? Maybe thinking of it like this, how do I continue to surrender? How do I continue to say, you know what? Nope, nope, I'm letting that go. The need to control, the pressure to perform, that temptation to find my identity, come on, that temptation to find my identity in my accomplishments, how do I surrender that? How do I let go of that? And here's what I want to encourage us with today. Here it is, our big idea, the best way to surrender is to remember. And I'm going to kind of reinforce that as we look at scripture today, I would love for you to get a hold of this in front of you. Maybe you've brought your Bible or you have uh, an app on your phone. I even loved it so much. I, I asked our creative team, could we get it real big up here? Can we give it up for our creative team making things happen? It's so, so lovely. You also have it if you grabbed um, a handout on your way in. This scripture is printed for all of us. But I just happened to be in my reading plan um, several weeks ago, and this was a part of kind of, um, I follow a reading plan um, for the Bible, which I would highly encourage. Um, it just kind of holds me accountable and keeps me on track. Um, and Psalm 103 shows up. And I got to be honest with you, it just started to kind of wreck me. It just started to really kind of challenge me in a really beautiful and healthy way. And I haven't really been able to get away from it since and so I, I have been praying for all of us. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for myself that Psalm 103 would just become an anchor for each one of us, that it would just become something that we kind of grab a hold of and, and stake our claim on. And so I'm going to read through Psalm 103, and then we're going to talk through it. All right, here we go. Let's read it. Uh, read, read along with me. Psalm 103, a Psalm of David. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. All who are treated unfairly. We're going to come back to that in a moment. He revealed his character 
to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. Oh man, amen. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows. Oh man, this, this, this might be my favorite one right here. He knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there, he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who, desert, who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord with everything that he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Sometimes, you know, it just does our souls good to just hear a big chunk of scripture. It's almost like it just refines us. It just washes over us. It encourages us. Man, but I don't know about you. Maybe you've ever wondered how somebody else reads the Bible or studies the Bible. Um, I think maybe some of y'all think that, you know, because I'm married to the pastor, like he opens his Bible and it's like, oh, you know, like there's like angels in our bedroom or like some like great shining light. It doesn't quite work like that. Um, But I can say that one of the practices that we have, um, and maybe this is the English teacher in me, but if I'm reading scripture, here's a tip for you. Here's maybe kind of like a little tool that you could use. If something is repeated, if there's repetition in scripture, it's probably something we should pay attention to, right? This is something that is being repeated for a reason. So if you're, you know, working through a passage and something just keeps coming up, I would encourage you to take a look at it, pay attention to it. So I'm reading through Psalm 103 and this happens to me. Not only do I recognize over and over and over, David is saying, let all that I am praise the Lord. This word all keeps showing up. It just keeps jumping off of the page at me. And my mind kind of gets into this loop of thinking all of the things that the word all encompasses. Or maybe um, catchphrases, right? Like, come on, give it your all. Or you can have it all, right? Like this kind of thing. Or maybe you know this one. Back in the day when I was a little girl, we would sing, you are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Y'all remember that one? What in the world does you are my all in all mean? What does that even mean? I don't even know. This is how my brain works, right? So it just kind of keeps on this loop. 
all? Like, God, you want it all? But here's the reality. There is no room left for misunderstanding. When he said all, he said all. He didn't say a piece. He didn't say partial. He didn't say halfway. He said all. Let it all worship and praise the Lord. And maybe for some of us today, that sounds incredibly intimidating. How am I going to do that? Oh my goodness. Maybe it even sounds impossible to some of us. Let all that I am praise the Lord. But I want to make the argument that I think that we let things consume us totally and wholly all the time. Let me give you some examples. Any soccer moms in the house? Where are y'all at? Listen, I didn't mean to be. I didn't try to be. But here we are. Okay, I'm a soccer mom all the way. I got the minivan to prove it. And like there's probably 18 soccer balls in my van right now. Everything about our schedule, about our focus. It seems like it's all about soccer, right? I'm trying to navigate the weeknights and figure out who needs to be where. All of my laundry You guys, all of my laundry is just trying to clean the uniforms and make sure we got the matching socks for the right team. I'm not even joking when I tell you this. Our group, like our closest group text thread right now, it is all about middle school girls soccer. Like every single bit of it. It's all consuming. It's it's all we talk about. Maybe, Maybe that's not in your wheelhouse. Maybe this one is. I am looking forward to summer vacation. It is just a few weeks away. Maybe you've got a a trip planned or something that you're looking forward to and you're like, it is all that I can think about. My Amazon cart is full of all the things that I need for this trip. My email inbox is flooded with all of the confirmation emails and reservations for Airbnb and plane tickets and whatnot, right? You're you're, you're still several weeks out, but it's all of your daydreaming is devoted (laughs) to this vacation, Maybe you've got all of your luggage sitting at the door just in your bedroom waiting, waiting for this trip. Consumes us. It's, it's, it's all of it. Or maybe this one. Maybe a lot of us can relate to this. Man, when you fell in love, nobody had to tell you. Nobody had to tell you to let all of your thoughts be about that somebody. You wake up thinking about them. You spend your day texting them. You're on your lunch break trying to buy something for them. You're like, what time can I pick you up? How early? Is it now? Like now? Can I come now? Right now? Right? You go to bed thinking about them. All consuming. And here's why. Because I believe that human beings are hardwired to worship something. Our devotion is going to be captured by something. And David, here in the Psalms, he has made a decision that it's going to be God. It's going to be God. God. And the reason that that is, is because David recognizes all that God has done for him. I believe that the key for us to having that kind of surrender is to remember. Maybe, maybe a way of thinking about it is like this. If I'm going to let all that I am praise the Lord, what does that encompass? Maybe a way for us to think about it is I'm going to let my mind worship God. I'm going to let my body worship God. I'm going to let my heart and my soul worship God. I'm going to let all that I am worship God. But something has to trigger that inside of us. 
Maybe you're like, okay, 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 Andrea. Yeah, I got it. I got it. You said, let all that I am praise the Lord. But if we're not careful, we're right back into that trap of feeling like we're not measuring up. We're not doing it right. We haven't got it figured out yet. No. So what is it that naturally causes our disposition to be in awe of God, right? It's found in verse 2. Let's go back to the scripture. Let's take a look at Psalm 103. In verse 2, it says, may I never, what? Forget. May I never forget. I think that God knows us so well that he even knows our tendency to forget. This is why we have so many practices in our Christian faith that build in moments of pause. Here's what I mean. When we take communion, Jesus said, do this often. And he said, do it in what? Remembrance of me. Even even the, um, the, the, the cycle and the pattern of our day can prompt us to reflect on God. The fact that we consider Sundays to be a Sabbath, it almost gives us that reset, that chance to go, oh yeah, I've got to remember. Let me get back. Let me not forget. God knows. He knows. May I never forget. Scholars believe that this particular psalm was written later on in David's life. We have some of the psalms that he wrote when he was a young, vibrant warrior with all of his future stretched out ahead of him. But this one is believed to have been written in his wiser years, in his older days. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, we should attribute it to his later years when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon. Because a keener sense of sin, he shows a keener sense of sin than in his younger days. His clear sense of the frailty of life indicates his weaker years, as also does the very fullness of his praiseful gratitude. Let me break that down for you. Here's what I think he's getting at. Some of you guys, you know how good God has been to you because you know the history that you have lived. You know the choices that you have made and you've watched for decades how God has been faithful. Amen. And there's a certain kind of perspective that comes when you've been around for a while. And that's what they're saying is going on with David. David isn't a young teenager trying to, you know, with all of his youthful energy, say, let all that I am. This is a man with wisdom on his side, with experience on his side. And he is saying, let me tell you, because of all that God has done, he deserves nothing less than all that I am, than all that I am. But please don't hear me. Don't mishear me. Don't mishear me. I'm not putting pressure on us to do it better, to do it right, to do it more. No, no, no. It's not about trying harder. It's about surrendering more. See, that's something else that comes with age as well. When we begin to recognize that we can't do it all. When we begin to have a perspective that says, "Mm, yeah, yeah, honey, I know you're still struggling with that. You need to go ahead and let that go, right? It's parenting 101. We swear before we ever have a child, my child ain't ever doing that. I'm gonna tell you right now. They ain't ever doing that. I got four kids. You know how I parent the fourth kid? Can you go help your brother? I just, I got to let some of that go, right? It's not about trying harder. 
It's about surrendering more. And the best way to surrender is to remember. One commentator said it like this. We bless the Lord with our soul when we shake off apathy, absent-mindedness, and any negativity that may have crept into our lives. As we use our minds to remember all that God has done for us, we stir up a passionate response of praise and worship that bubbles up from our inmost being. Man, they said it better than I could have. That's good. Let me return to an example that we used earlier about falling in love. Maybe you've never fallen in love and you'd like to. And so you go to one of your friends and you're like, hey, listen, 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 listen. I need you to help me. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this thing to go down. I need you to tell me how to fall in love. And in this theoretical, you know, conversation, your friend's like, well, we're, you need to take a shower and you need to put on some cologne and you need to get your outfit together and just go ahead and pick the perfect spot. Go ahead and pick your perfect place. And, you know, you probably need to show up about 6 p.m. And you guys see where this is going, right? Nobody can give you a perfect list that will absolutely make you fall in love. And in fact, if somebody could figure out a way to package that, they'd be a billionaire. In fact, I think people have even tried, right? You could interview all the people you know who have ever been in love. They could tell you about it, how it happened for them. You could try to emulate those kinds of experiences. But we know, we know that it is nuanced and it's personal and it happens when it happens, right? But it's kind of like our relationship with God. Somebody could say, well, listen, how about you go on and show up, show up to church and get yourself a Bible. And listen, I got some great worship albums that I can recommend to you. That'll help you. That'll really help you. And I can tell you about my experience. But until you encounter Jesus and fall in love, it will not happen. It will not happen. But I got good news for you. He is already madly in love with you. Madly in love with you. I want us to reflect back. I want us to get back and look at these verses and remember what God has done for each of us. It says, may I never forget. Look at verse, verse three. He forgives all my sins. I love that David started his list with that one. Because it's a big one. It's a big one. He didn't just forgive the sins of his youth, the sins of his childhood, the sins that happened before he became a believer. No. He forgives all my sins. Every last one of them. All of them. Amen? He says he heals all my diseases. Some of us need that promise today. We need to know not only is God concerned with the state of our souls in that he forgives our sins, he can, he's concerned with our physical being. He heals all my diseases. It says he redeems me from death. I know some of your stories and I have heard from your own mouth. Some of you have said before, I should have died in that car wreck. I should have died in that prison. I should have died on that bathroom floor. He redeemed you. He said, you're worth it. I'm going to snatch you right up. I'm going to snatch you right up. He redeemed you from death. Specifically, this is talking about eternal death in hell. And he says, no, you're mine. Eternity 
with him. He redeems us from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Amen. Look at this one, verse five. He fills my life with good things. Not only is he concerned with my heart, my soul, and my physical being, he's concerned with all that's happening out here in my life. He fills my life with good things. Amen. Come on. He fills my, not just a little bit, not just every once in a while, fills my life with good things. He, 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 it says, uh, my youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, I want some youth. I told y'all I'm raising four kids over here. He renews that energy that we need, that capacity that we need to do what he calls us to do. That's what that's talking about. Look at this one, verse six. The Lord, oh, this is good, y'all. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. I need to stand on that promise today. In our current political, cultural climate, I want justice for people. But guess what? It's not on me. God knows. God knows. It says, the Lord gives righteousness and justice to, what's that word? All who are treated unfairly. Amen. Thank you, God. The Lord is compassionate and merciful in verse eight. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He's slow to anger. I love that it says he's like a father. He's like a father. And I know for some of us, that's a complicated statement, but look at what it says right underneath it. It goes ahead and it defines what kind of father we're talking about. A compassionate father a tender father. Amen. And then I told y'all verse 14, that's mine. That's for me. It might not be for you. Well, it is for you, but it's really for me. He knows, he knows, he knows that I'm weak. When I fall back into that cycle that I'm asking him to help me break, he knows that I am weak. I love that because, because everything about his love is not contingent on whether or not I can have it all together. It's contingent on the work that Jesus did on the cross in my place. Amen. He is forever. He is faithful. He rules over everything. I don't know about you, but when I start thinking about the exhaustive list of all the things that God has done and all the ways that God has loved me and saved me and redeemed me, the appropriate response is to let all that I am praise the Lord. The moment that I start feeling pulled in that other direction where my focus is drawn over here instead of on him, I have to surrender. Instead of you can have it all, it's you can have it all. God, you can have my fears. You can have my future. God, you can have my family. God, that's a hard one, but you can have my family. God, you can have my finances. God, you can have my faults. God, you can have my desires. You can have my career. You can have my time. God, you can have my insecurities because quite frankly, I'm tired of carrying them around. You can have my need to control. You can have my brokenness. You can have my devotion. God, you can have my anger. God, you can have my shame. You can have my disappointments. 
God, you can have my talents. God, you can have it all. You can have it all. And I would encourage each one of us to consider what that list is for you. Out loud or on a notebook paper or whatever the case may be. List them out. Phrase by phrase. God, you can have this and you can have this and you can have this one too. When I think about trying to help us understand what it means to let all that I am praise the Lord. What's all encompassing? Here's what I think will help us to remember this. I want you to think about your past and I want you to think about your present and I want you to think about your future. I think that's a way for us to kind of get a touch point on this. When I think about my past, that's what helps me to remember all that he has done. What have you surrendered in the past? What have you given over to him? In what ways has he been faithful to you? Reflect on that past. And that stirs up in us a desire to worship. Colossians 3.11 says this, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Let me add a couple more, black or white, Republican or Democrat, young or old, rich or poor. Come on. It says Christ is all that matters. Amen. He is all that matters and he lives in all of us. When I consider my past and all that he has done, it leads me to want to worship him with everything. When I think about the present and what it looks like for me to let all that I am worship the Lord in the present, here, here, here's how I contextualize this. Be in the present, be in the moment. When you show up on a Sunday, be intentional. Don't, don't let your mind wander to where you're headed for lunch, right? I know it's hard. I've been there. No judgment. No judgment. That's not condemnation. That's just gentle reminder. Maybe we need to turn our cell phone off. Maybe we need to eliminate some distractions. Maybe we need to sit in a different spot in the sanctuary. So we are I am the cute guy over here. It's okay, laugh. <laughs> be present. Say, God, I want you to be present in my present right here in this moment, eliminating distractions. Consider, consider that when we create a space to meet with God, he meets with us. And when we think about our future, here's what I wanna challenge you with, and I'm challenging myself with this too, is asking the Holy Spirit to say, what does it look like tomorrow for me to let all that I am? What does that look like? Andrea can give you all kinds of examples. I can give you all kinds of examples of what it looks like for me. But what I really want us to get is that we can invite the Holy Spirit to say, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for you, Jacob? For you, Olivia? Joy, what's it look like in your life to let all that I am? God, I invite you into my tomorrows to meet me there. Show me, teach me what it looks like. But ultimately, ultimately, the best way when we find ourselves stuck in that cycle again of perfectionism, of performance, the best way to surrender 
is to remember. Here's how I want to end and how I want to encourage us to think about it. Maybe this will stick a little with you. If God is the God of all, then the next time you fall, I want you to give him your all. The next time you feel like your back's against the wall, I want you to give God your all. When you feel too small, invisible, unseen, I want you to give God your all. When your problems feel 20 feet tall, I want you to give God your all. When you feel like you can't answer the call, God has a call on our lives. He has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And when you feel like you don't have what it takes, I want you to remember to give him your all instead of us trying to have it all together, instead of us trying to believe that we can have it all. No, here's the thought. God, you, you, you can have it all. You can have it all. I'm gonna invite you to stand. I wanna pray over us today. Specifically, I want to pray over mothers because moms, I know that sometimes it's not about you wanting it all for yourself, it's you want it all for your kids. And that's pressure too. We gotta surrender it. We gotta surrender it. I'm gonna invite you to stand and close your eyes and let me pray this over you. But don't let it stop here. We put it on this cardstock for you so that you could continue to pray this over yourself. That it would find its way into your heart and into your soul until it's eventually in your mind and in your thinking. Close your eyes. God, thank you for the gift of motherhood. I pray for strength today. Meet me in the small repetitive tasks, the cleaning and scrubbing, the driving and feeding, the laughing and crying. It's in the ordinary responsibilities that you are doing your deepest work in my life. When I feel insignificant, Help me to remember that in Jesus, my failures and successes don't change the way you see me, love me, or save me. I am a child of God, forgiven of all my sins, and healed of all my diseases. Help me to understand that the most radical, world-changing events may be happening anonymously in my home, God, most days I feel so tired. And when I don't feel tired, I feel lazy. But you promised that I could carry a light yoke and an easy burden. Help me believe that it's true. Be my daily bread. Provide the strength that I need. Be my living water and refresh my soul. I reject the lies of perfectionism that try to define my worth by my work. I embrace the goodness of the gospel. I will never be good enough or become that perfect mom that I imagine in my mind, but I don't have to be because I am perfect in your eyes. I pray the rhythms of repentance and forgiveness shape my home. Help me to be aware of my limits Help me to rest in the knowledge that I am only a steward of your children and remember that it is only by your spirit 
that it will produce change in their hearts. Today, when I'm annoyed by their requests or angry at their disobedience or hurt by their words, help me to remember my children are a gift from you. May I find rest in you. Amen.